What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel and I'm here with a black artist that I discovered over Instagram and it was uh, pretty cool that I found uh, what he's doing here in New Brunswick. So I want to welcome Anjola Andriji uh, to the show. Thank you for being here, man. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. So for those of you who don't know, he is an artist. He does paintings, uh, visual arts. Uh, right now, he has uh, an expo going on in Fredericton, which we're going to talk about that later on. And we're going to talk about your art and when, what you're doing right now. But uh, let's start from the beginning. Uh, where do you come from and, and how how was that? Oh, OK. Um, I'm originally from Nigeria. Um, I came into Canada in 2021, August, as an international student mm -hmm. and all of my life in Nigeria, I've just been, you know, I had my undergraduate degree in Nigeria where I studied theater arts, after which um, I worked in the private sector for a while. And then once it was time, 2021, I just decided that, okay, it was time for me to try out the international community and see what it had for me, you know. And I decided to come um, study visual arts you know, at the College of Craft and Design, New Brunswick. That's where, that's when I transitioned to Canada and then my life has been going on ever since. So what part of Nigeria are you from? Lagos. Oh, wow. So the capital, the big, the big city. <laughs> the big city. So Lagos is not the capital. Um, the capital is called Abuja. But um, Lagos oh, yeah, is like the commercial hub of Nigeria itself. And it's about the it's a really big city, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's like the New York. Of, it's like the New York of Africa. So there's uh, Cape there, Town, Johannesburg, mm -hmm. Lagos. It's, yeah. it's it's like the biggest places, and and uh, Nigeria has the biggest African population. Uh, right. So there's more Nigerians in the continent of Africa than anybody else. Uh, <laughs> right. So <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of them. So that everywhere. So how was life in Nigeria uh, as growing up as a child in a big city like Lagos? Um, I mean, growing up, um, was really experimental. I'll put it that way. Uh, my, excuse me. I initially, I was just this child who was very playful. You know, I just used to do whatever came to my mind. In some ways I wasn't restricted from, by my parents, you know, uh, they were very protective and also very, um, disciplined. But whatever I still wanted, you know, they when it comes to when it comes to my mode of expression, they allowed me be myself, you know. And all through my journey as an artist, from when I was a child, my parents encouraged it. You know, they did their best in making sure that, you know, um, like whatever I wanted as an artist, or maybe however I wanted to go about it, whatever I needed, it could just provide it. They were not the richest of parents or the wealthiest, right? But they were just the, the, those kinds of parents that that was like that, you know, just encouraging sports and encouraging art and all of that. So when it was time for me to, once I was done with my high school education and it was time to make a decision on what I wanted to study and everything. I remember my parents coming together with me 
and my siblings and you know we were all having a conversation as to what i was going to study and my, my dad was like hey let him do theater arts he's an artist he draws he paints but how about him having um he also sings because i used to i sing i play the piano i play the drums you know and you know we we are christians so we like go to the church and we used to play for the church and all of that so you know my dad was like how about we explore that other option of theater you know where and i used to do drama i used to dance you know and in 2013 <clears throat> that's when i applied for my university education and you know i got in for theater arts and that's where my journey began as a thespian as a theater artist as a performing artist you know so when i got into the university again starting out as a young child i was just um i was just as a teenager, I mean, I was just trying to see what was out there for me. So in school, we started taking on performances and all that. But there is not many technical designers out there. Not everyone is just put as a major in technical design. So in my first year of the university, when all the lecturers saw what everybody was capable of doing, they found that I was the only to be a technical designer because of my creative skills of drawing and um, and all of that. So... I started majoring in technical design, sets, design, and lights. You know, I would, I would before every performance, I have to be there for rehearsals. You know, I did major, I did so many actings and dance, but it was always my responsibility to build the set for the show, for the um, theatrical performance, and all that. So it was more, it was always more work on my end to you know, get the designs ready, create the mock-ups, you know, get the drawings all set up, show it to my lecturers, you know, once it's approved, get the flats together, get students come around, I show them what each and every one of us has to do, and then we build the sets for the performance. That's how it was, first year, second year, third year, and my fourth year, you know. But while I was doing all of that and I was studying theatre, I was also doing portrait um, pieces for people, you know, in school, maybe, mm. um, yeah, guys who had girlfriends and all that, I would do a picture, a pencil portrait charcoal for them. That's how I was really strengthening my skills, you know, as an artist by the side, aside from doing theatrical arts, you know. And, excuse me. While I was doing all that, um, I was making all of those portraits and all that, I noticed that I was, I wanted to keep in touch with both forms of arts. So I had my first exhibition in 2016. 2016. And that was in Lagos? That was in Lagos. No, that was in my school. And my school was in Oshun State, Redeemers University. Okay. Right. So I'm also this type of person that was very popular in school. And I was, you know, I was always doing speed paintings at events at the school's social gatherings and all that you know i was i was just always a feature in all of those things so i was pretty popular and my first exhibition i had really great turnout you know it was just um, a combination of all of the artworks that i put together at that time and it was it was a great it was a great time so that was my ever first project that i did in 2016 you know i had a dj come around we set up one of our restaurants exhibition standard and it was real good so in my final year um i i had my thesis in extensive ingredients of stenciling in set design which 
was majorly about morale, how I tried to integrate visual arts to set design and all that. And the case study was based on the northern states of Nigeria, the designs, the motif patterns that it had in that um, area of Nigeria. Um, finishing school, I did a lot of traveling. I ventured into cinematography. That's another thing that my parents encouraged, you know, you know, I was away from home three months, three weeks, four weeks, you know, just traveling. I pretty much said I traveled all around Nigeria, drive traveling, you know, going with groups and all that. And that also shaped my view, my eye view on how I saw another form of art in cinematography, in video and photography. You know, I was doing wedding coverage at some point. I was doing all sorts of things. And then I traveled somewhere. And I also saw this 1967 Volkswagen Beetle that was dead and gone. Um, I had a thing also back then in Nigeria, as confident as I was and as outgoing as I was, I still felt that a lot of people looked down on me because I was not what, the what, brightest. Really? Yep. You, you think that? Because I, I, I wanted to pass on that. Like, a lot of people don't know that Nigeria has a booming art industry. Like, it's yep. one of the biggest art industries in Africa booming theater scene it's the largest uh, movie producer in africa there's a big right. cinema uh, uh movement going there they produce hundreds of movies a year hundreds of plays uh there's a lot of high-end art there art dealing there that comes to europe and comes in within africa and other places like ghana and south africa so so it's a right. it's a booming industry there uh, yeah. like it's it's booming industry, but when you say that, like you were you already doing it at school, somebody that's already doing art at school, uh, why would you say it was not the brightest? Because I mean, I I wouldn't, you know, I don't understand that it's a competitive market there. There's a lot of people doing that, like I've been doing. But why did you not consider yourself like, okay, I'm already doing this. I'm already getting some gigs. What why do you, why didn't you think that you were like gonna make it on on all these fields? Right. So as a result of the competition we had, look, I, I could be so good and everybody thinks I'm so good. But when you see good, when I mean good, like the best, you will see a better best in Nigeria. That's the problem with Nigeria. We have, I feel like the youth of Nigeria naturally are ones that, that's why every time we get into international societies, we just always make things work because they've gone through the, extra lengthening to make sure that their works are the best, you know. And that's how I felt at that time because for me, everybody kept telling me I was good, but I always wanted to get better. That's why I got into hyper-realistic drawings because I always felt that whenever I saw other guys doing other things in other schools, especially the guys studying visual arts, like I just always felt that, no, I also had to be on top because I'm very competitive. You know, that's why I felt that I wasn't good enough, if you get what I mean. So, okay. like, I, know. I, I saw guys do great things, really great things, you know, and it was a push for me. It had always been a push for me that, no, I can't be a thespian and be a theater artist and be great in that field and still be a visual artist and do what I need to do and also combine and work on storytelling series, if you get what I mean, yeah. you know. So, yeah, um, I mean, that's that that was my life pretty much in Nigeria. Um, um, 
until I decided that, okay, I mean, I'd explored enough in Nigeria. Let's try the international society and see what it holds for me. So going to that, like you said that, yeah, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of, there, there is a lot of things going down there. And I remember mm -hmm. because I, I'm originally from the Dominican Republic and one of the mm -hmm. places that we, we, they told us to do film markets and stuff like that. Cause I worked in, in films uh, right. was Nigeria that they were producing. Uh, I know a guy that he was producing 20 movies in three months and we were like that is insane that you could do that many movies yes <laughs> it's so in so little time uh yeah. and it's like the way that they were pumping movies and things like that and the music i remember uh within a time i, I think it was like 2006 or 2007 or eight i think the the afrobeat movement started to kind of kind of gripping yeah. within within the continent like it was getting to other places and the people started going it, it became from like clubs to going to like arenas and and places started going to that so so it, it's it's been brewing all the time is that part of like what what is it that like so much is going on there is it because tradition is it because of schooling how how is it that arts uh like you said your parents uh, were mm -hmm. artists, your parents were at the church. Like, how does that come from there? Like, where, where does that come from? Is it an education or is it just a traditional system that that brings all mm -hmm. of those things together? Okay, so I, I that's, that's a brilliant question. And thinking about it, I think I pretty much have an in-depth understanding of why things are like that, why everyone is trying to find creative solutions, I would say, into um, making waves in art. Nigeria is not like um, the international society where, I mean, a 16-year-old can get a job and fend for himself and go to school, get student loans and all of that. That's one, right? We do not also have a government where um, where things are normal and things are okay. There is poverty in the land. There are no jobs. There is nothing, right? Students who even go to the government schools or the the public schools, I would say, Instead of using the normal four years in the university, sometimes we use eight, nine years before they complete just an undergraduate degree. So at the end of the day, you will find that everyone is finding a solution out of that system. Everybody's running to their creative side. Some people are venturing into acting. Some people are venturing into music. Some are venturing into dance. You know, just before I got on the call with you, we were watching this um, show because my brother is over at my house and with his wife. And, you know, the four of us, himself, his wife, myself, and my wife, we're just sitting down in the sitting room watching this um, program. We have this reality show, The Voice, you know. And we saw this guy who is a very popular skits comedian in Nigeria right now. And we saw that on YouTube, he initially applied for The Voice Nigeria at that time as a, as a musical artist. He sang, but he didn't get to the top. He got disqualified and everything. And now he's such a big guy in comedy. You get, if music doesn't work, or you get into comedy, if comedy doesn't work, you know, that's even for, for like the dramatic part of things. You know, we just find that people are, getting skills those guys in tech some people have no idea about tech but they're going into it because they can get jobs international they can get jobs internationally or you know so because we do not have a system in place everyone 
is striving towards getting a creative side that work, a creative side that work. You know, a lot of people are going into fashion designing, a lot of, so every average Nigerian right now has a skill. Every Nigerian has multiple skills. You have no idea the amount of businesses I did in Nigeria to, and the amount of things I'm capable of doing right now. So every Nigerian oh, yeah. themselves, every Nigerian. So, so the system or the bad system has given us a business mindset to things, has given us multiple skills. I feel that if we had a smooth sailing, um, good system, you know, we probably wouldn't venture into all of those things. Do you understand what I mean? So yeah, we find that the richest people in Nigeria now are the comedians, are the singers, at the um some artists are really big you know and and various everything in the arts is what really transitions people like that yeah so, and i'm and you know, you know it's a it's a thing with with poor countries like what was happening in a lot of places like and again we we do this podcast because we want to inform people like when you think about the continent of africa people don't know that is the fastest growing technology sector in the world like people can right. pay with their phones. People use their phones to do a whole lot of things. And one of the things that I was uh, trying to figure out because I, I am in the technology world as well was like, what what is happening there? Why is it the technology is growing so fast there that is even to some places like the states or here is not going as fast as there? It's because what you said is like, look, there is the government will not support you. There's little resources. So when people found out that they could make money via their phone and do things via right. their phone and, and get out of poverty, and like, for example, you could be an Instagram star and people are like, OK, if I'm funny on Instagram, I could do promotion. I can get 20, 30, 40, 50, 100,000 followers and, and get money. I can get out of the hood or if I can get a YouTube, I can get exactly. out of the hood and, and, exactly. and, and things like that. So people started figuring out those ways. Uh, so I, I guess to your part, to your point is that it's that the, there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of creativity because of necessity. Right. right. And do you know how that has shaped me and how that has helped me here? Um, 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 the last reporter who, you know, reached out to me and asked me questions. And she, she asked me that, how was I able to break the barrier and get into Canada in less than a year and was able to pull that amount of crowd to the gallery opening and all of that. And I say that in Nigeria, you are your own brand strategist. In Nigeria, nobody begs you before you go out and network. In Nigeria, you want to get all of the followers for yourself. In, so in Nigeria, we do not dish out jobs to people to do. You do everything and you must be successful, if you understand what I mean. So it's... It's already a natural thing for us to go through to to make a success in any given task that we have. If yeah, I, I definitely understand you. You gotta you gotta be your own boss because it's like and and again in Latin America it, it's kind of similar in, in that same way. Like here, uh, and we're gonna talk about your journey being here. Here, a lot of people it, it was surprising to me. Uh, that a lot of people said, okay, you get a job, you work for 40 years, and you retire. I'm like, in Latin America, that doesn't happen. That's impossible. Right. First of all, if you get a job, you're 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 lucky. And then if you if you last 10, 20 years in that job, yeah, job you're really lucky. <laughs> you're you're extremely lucky. It's it's almost impossible uh, at this point. And then as you get older, your 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 opportunities come. So you that's why you have people doing like 
selling goods and and a lot of right. informal stuff because because there's no protection there like it's not it, it's a fence so you have to have an entrepreneur mentality uh right. in order for you to to survive not just and again when people think entrepreneur mentality they they think big business no 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 that woman selling candy outside or just selling stuff that's an entrepreneur right there that's somebody that's yeah. that's that's doing their money and they learn business they they didn't go to business school but they have all the business experience exactly so, so what you say it's that it's that you have to when you go to like a like a thing for your arts you have to kind of fend for yourself and make sure that everything's done because nobody's going to do it for you nobody's going to beg for you nobody's going to give you any help you just got to do it if you okay. if you want to be successful that that's that's how it works okay. so so in in that fine like you come from from that background you come from a background of of arts of people fending from themselves of 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 your parents going to, you know, being artists. So you, you got that creative bug in you and you're in a big place. How does it that you come from a place that there's millions of people to Fredericton where the population is around 60 to 70,000 people? How, how does, how did that came about? Oh, um, I would like to, when I landed in Toronto, I loved it. Like I'm a city boy. Right. But when I landed in Fredericton, it was hard. <laughs> yeah, I would hard. assume so. It was really it it is hard. Still being here is really hard, you know. But I'm like, before I eventually take myself out there, I'll build a portfolio, an international portfolio. Because what I did was when I came here, I left all of my artworks in Nigeria. You know, some in my parents' house, some in my in some other place. I just left everything there. I want to come here, I want to start fresh get new works for myself, you know, get fresh portfolios and then launch. So um, coming here, Fredericton is really small. New Brunswick itself, um, there is there is not a very, um, they, they have really nice art scene, I would say. But, you know, um, notwithstanding, it's still, it's still incomparable to what you find in bigger places like Toronto or Vancouver, or even in the States, right? And But, I mean, st still being here is a starting point for me. And, you know, that's why I'm working towards making sure that I conquer here and then move. Okay, so what what happened? Like, where you were in Nigeria, you decided to come. What what made Canada, like, the choice? Because you, you lived in Toronto first. Is that how it went? Oh, so... um. At the time I was in Nigeria, I was a realtor, sold houses and all that. But I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Nigeria. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm this young man who just got married. I also want to get my life settled. I, I do not want to hustle for, for another decade and not have something worthwhile to show, if you understand what I mean. So it was time to move. And in moving, every Nigerian thinks of two things when we want to transition into the international society. Where are we going to? Are we going to the UK or are we going to Canada? The States is pretty difficult to get into. And also when you get there and you even study, it takes you another 11, 12, 13, 15 years before you get your green card. So these are the, the things that I was putting into consideration. I want somewhere that if I go in there, I can get a permanent stay. I can get a citizenship. I can have like some level of dual citizenship or something. And my kids can have a sustainable life. Right. I thought about the UK, but even after schooling in the UK, it still takes a lot of other processes too. And Canada was just the best bet. It took me one year before my visa eventually came out. But I mean, 
it's worth the while, right? And it was worth the wait. So that's what made me come to. And coming to Fredericton was as a result of what is the cheapest school in Canada. That's 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 another story of an international student. What's the cheapest province? What's the cheapest school? So I was looking at cost of housing, cost of schooling, because to think that when I landed Canada, I landed with only 150, 120 USD, and I did not even have my school fees. Oh, wow. Yes. So I literally had to go to school and tell them, hey, can I pay monthly? I would work, pay for school fees. They, they, and the school really tried for me. The New Brunswick College of Craft and Design, kudos to them. They made life so easy for me. And I was working around the clock. I had so many times where I got emails from the registrar saying, hey, Jola, are you okay? I heard you're sleeping in class and all that, but they understood and they were there for me. And I was willing to learn. You know, so it was just one year of me having to hustle. But I feel that of all the also that I've done here is still nothing compared to the things that I've done in Nigeria. So what where did you work here? Like you were you, you came here, what what was the first job that you just landed to to just get oh, by? So when I when I got to Canada, the job first job I landed was GDI. It was a cleaning job. You know, um GDI integrated services. It was an on-campus job. So I was working there from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Right? 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Um, once it was 6 a.m., I would um, do DoorDash from 6 a.m. to about 9, 9 a.m. Some 9 a.m. I have class, so I'll go. Sometimes I'll get to class by 9.30, 10 o'clock, and then I'll have the class from like 10 or 9, supposedly till 2 p.m. You know, I'll do, I'll be done with my class maybe 2, 3, 4 p.m. I would DoorDash again afterwards because I always had a target I needed to meet every day apart from my salary from working overnight and i needed to make a hundred dollars a day okay so, so that, I, that, that, I, that makes sense and yes. the funny thing is it's like it's kind of landed it, it kind of worked out because if you would have been in a place like toronto or montreal it would have been way expensive at way around the clock the good thing about fredericton because it's small you know at mm -hmm. some point the city kind of stops like at 9 or 10 a.m like the city kind of calms down right. Right. And you're able to like rest. And and if you're in that hustle culture, it gives you some like, again, you still have a target, but you have some time to rest, which is for right. the places like in Toronto or, or Montreal. It would have been it would have been way harder because you it doesn't stop. It just goes on and on. It, it's a continuing. I, you know, to think that I actually feel that it was way easier in Toronto because after I was done with school, I finished in June of last year. I went to Toronto for like three months. And um, oh, I um, I finished school in like May, April, May, right? But from then, from when I finished to the convocation, I was in Toronto, and I find that because of the fact that it's a bigger place, I could meet my target easily. Yeah, for sure. The, the, like in so the in money, what I would say in the in the money wise, you probably would have made more money in a bigger city, uh, because yes. it's it's it just doesn't stop. But what I mean is like. It comes like and I lived in bigger cities too. Like it comes to a time when I remember when I used to work in Santa Domingo, I had at one point three jobs, right? Yep. And I and I was like going, 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 because it never stops. You know, you wake up, mm -hmm. you go, you go to bed. And it at the first for the first six or seven months it was cool. But then like at the eight or nine months, I just went like burning down. Cause it was right. a constant thing. Like you could you couldn't not you couldn't even take a breed. Like 
I, I, there was a point that I didn't even know what day it was. I didn't even know what people were like, oh, like, what are you doing? It's a, it's a holiday. I'm like, what? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? It's a February. It's, it's, it's a holiday for me. Yeah. 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 No holidays. And, and I, I, the, the, I think one of the things that I really take for granted at doing that was that when, because I did that, I, I, I kind of lost connection with my family. Like I, I only saw them. I went from seeing them maybe four or five times a month to seeing them like maybe three, three, four times a year. And it was wow. like, whoa. Yeah, because it, it, you, you're in a constant continuance. And that's what I mean. Oh, yeah. That is like, for example, here in, in places like Fredericton or, or St. John or Moncton, there, there comes a time that you could still you could still do that hustle thing. Oh, but, it, but there comes a time that you can get some time to breathe and you're like, oh, wait, let me let yes, me get. True. True. X X amount of thing, uh, even if the monetary wise, but but in even in that sense, I mean, the fact that you you you're able to to do that and you were able to get your education and and get to places, it's it's pretty it's pretty remarkable actually that that you were able to do all of that. And one of the things that and and I don't know if you know this uh, because I I I'm an art fan myself. I I love art. I love visual arts. Uh, you know. Even in places like Toronto, black art it's an anomaly. It is not yeah. treated like in Canada, black art it's not treated like let's say uh you know somebody a white counterpart or something like that that gets right. or you know even in the na like you know even in the first nation side, they get a lot of population because of their art and not it, black art doesn't even get that that much that yeah. that much so. How did it became that, you know, you came to a place that it's, there's not a lot of black artists, like it's maybe you and a couple of them. How did right. that came about when you, when you started doing art here? Like what, what inspired you to come here, do the exposition that you're doing and, and what gets you connected to, to that blackness when you do your pieces and stuff like that in a place that there's, there's not a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, there's two ways to go in about it. It's one about being who I am. I am a very ambitious person. And as a result of that, in July, I started working. Um, I got my full-time job at the bank. And I started as a teller. And in two months' time, July, I guess in September, I was promoted to being a personal banking associate. It was a good move. It was a good transition. But I'm like, do I want to continue this nine to five for the rest of my life? If you understand what I mean. So... At that point, I started to think that, no, it was about time I started having a five to nine because I'm only 27 right now. And I've always had it in me that by 30, I'm stopping everything. I'm having passive income coming in. And, you know, that, that is the plan for me. That's what I want to the point that my mortgage is paying itself. You know, I can decide to do anything I want to. Like, that's that's just the plan I've always had, you know. and I started, I had so many businesses coming. I had Airbnbs. I had, um, 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 I was still in my hustle. So after work, I would, um, um, I would just come home, change, and then do some door dashing just to make, to still meet up with my $100 target. And by midnight, I'd work on my paintings. So I literally uh, continuously did not have any sleep. So just the way I started the hustle spree from when I landed, I just continued like that. 
So I then noticed that, okay, now I'm getting into art. What's my story? What am I putting out there? What is what is my first step? So being a theater artist, I was trying to see how I can get into the theater world first. You know, I, I went for one of the events of Theater New Brunswick, and it was such a beautiful show and everything. And I walked up to the artistic director and I introduced myself and we had, we spoke and, oh, I'm a theater artist, I'm a visual artist, you know, and all of that. You know, as, you know, as I would have it, the more communications and network that I, um, that I made, I, I've met up with someone who knew another person and one way or another connected me with the Charlotte Street Art Center. And when I got in connection with the Art Center, when I was initially discussing with the person, it was like, if you were to have an event or for your type of person, what would you like to do? And I said, I would like to do an art exhibition. And this was as of September last year. I'd like to do an art exhibition. I was like, okay, no problem. So I'll link you up with someone. And then I got into contact with the Charlotte Street Art Center. They asked me questions. We had meetings. And I said, yep, um, I'll go craft up a name, put everything together. So as of September, October, I was still in the idea stage of putting together what I want to talk about. Then I came up because of the fact that I had also come into an international society. I had also seen Black women do great things. I'd also see, like, you know how it is back at home when you feel like we, um, the men, it's the, the idea we have culturally is that, oh, the men protects the city. Oh, the men look out for the women. Oh, the women stay home, take care of the kids. Do you have that? Do you have, do you have understanding what I'm saying? Like, women, yep, yep, we pamper our women to, like, you know, we pamper our women to, you know, just stay home, take care of the kids. Um, you know, not to say that they can't do any other thing, but that was like the initial cultural mindsets that we have, you know, fine now women are coming out, but, you know, getting into the international society and seeing that black women are taking the lead, they're taking their own life into their, their hands. Like whatever I was doing wasn't special anymore because any black woman can do it. If you understand what I mean. And it was striking. And I had conversations with, it, with with so many people and I see the big things they were doing. You know, it was striking to me that, come on, man, as of all of the things we're saying about Black women and of all the things that, that they're going through, they still strive. So that, that prompted me to asking open-ended questions like, who are you people? And what what is your driving force what is your motive you know those are the questions i was asking myself in september and i started doing more research into the black race into the black woman race sometimes i sit down with my laptop and i read up on ancient ancient poems or read up on listen to spoken words on how black women have suffered you know i started going in depth into seeing what these people a lot of them have actually gone through you know i had jamaican friends nigerian friends women i mean like Ghanaian women you know south african women and you know first we have intonation secondly we have how they speak third we have some level of experience and what they are faced you know and then i went back in time to when we were being called negroes and how black women at that time would tell the field and do the con and do everything and still bear children and be beaten by the white man. They like can imagine all of the things they did in that time. 
Then I read a poem called Negro Woman, and it's it just blew me away. And then I was like, I am working on the diary of a mad black woman. You know, it started from there. So that was the initial concept, which at that time I'm like, okay, just give me to sometimes in March. I never even had any mindsets as to black history. I wasn't making plans for that. I was just working on the diary of a mad black woman at that time, which was initially scheduled for February, but I moved it to March. So I never had, I we've totally forgot that black history more was was February. So I was just talking about the diary of a mad black woman. Then I started researching on my artworks, you know, what to do. As of November, I see what an artist block and, you know, and all of that. Then Charlotte Streets reached out to me and said, hey, how would you like to be um, the artist in residence and do the gallery opening in January initially? And I'm like, sure, I wouldn't mind. Even though I knew it was going to be more work because now I'm having the main exhibition in March and I'm having another gallery opening in February, which eventually became which January, which eventually became February second, you know, and now I have over fifteen or twenty artworks there, and now by March again, I have to have all new, fresh artworks for the main event to convey my storytelling series on the Black woman. So that's that's how it was for me, and that's how the whole idea came about. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, you know, when you said that, like, you, you'd forgot that it's Black History Month. We did an episode last week about that, and we were telling that in places like Latin America or Africa or in Asia, there is no Black yeah. History Month. That doesn't exist. No that's, that's yeah. A... So <laughs> I didn't know, like, like I really, yeah. Well, because there's a, the, there is a history of oppression and there's a different history in the, in the, in places like Europe and North America than what is it in Africa. It's like, for example, one of the things that people don't understand is that if you go to Nigeria, you're not black. Yeah, that's that's not a that's not a thought in your head. There's not a thought exactly. in your head that you're black because everybody's black. Like, like you, exactly. you don't think about that. We have no idea. True. True. Yeah. You don't think about that. But when you come here, somebody will let you know that you're black. Right. Somebody let your kids know that you're black. Somebody's going to tell you, okay, you're black. And it, it's not again none had thought of us so when you think about that and, and when you said you said that that's one but the other thing is that when you look at the black woman as a whole the black woman has suffered more than any other human being in the history of and, the world correct like it, it is something that it, it's insane to say like for example a lot of people you know you can never take a quantus of the holocaust like how yeah. jewish people suffer for it but if you look at it in the fact that that was in a span, let's say, of 40 years, right? Like 40, 40 years of, you know, of, of that terrible. But when you look at a black woman, when it comes from slavery to like now, this is a torture of hundreds of years. Hundreds. Going hundreds of from from their from the black man that says, look, uh, you need to stay at work. You need to produce babies to do this to do that. And you're a slave to the black man to being a slave to the white man or the white woman to being treated as second class to now when you find independence, you, you, you need to prove yourself, not because of your character, just because people sometimes think you as something less, which is, which is crazy. Uh, and, yeah. and again, to a white counterpart, we're not even talking about like, because you're black, it's because you're black and you're a woman. And then yeah. just for that, you, you, you will, you will be 
treated differently, which is it's in and it goes to different sector like Jamaican women, Ghanaian women or any like it goes to different places. So that, that that's kind of interesting of, of what you said. So it, it's pretty interesting that you got all of these stories. So how's been the reception so far of those pieces that you've been that you've been putting out there? So um, the reception has been absolutely great. Absolutely great, you know, and I'm liking where I'm going with this. I'm liking and I'm proud to like, I, I, it has been very sleepless. Especially this past few months has been very stressful for me because I have been having absolutely no sleep because so much was on me to do, you know, but, but it's been fulfilling to say that I'm putting my people out there to say that I'm putting my women out there, to saying that I'm also using my voice as an artist to encourage and push them that, look, you have started well, you have continued well, you have a long way to go, and you're doing well, you know. Because it's annoying to say that even me, myself, in the office, for instance, people walk up to me and say, how come you speak such good English? How come you... <laughs> You speak so well. When did you just come into Canada? Do you understand? I mean, Nigeria, people for you, the language in Nigeria is English. It's, I, I'm, I'm tired. So that's me being, you know. And also coming here where, I mean, it's a population of white people and not having as many friends. So you can imagine how lonely it is sometimes. So I'm a man, I'm a guy, like, I know what it feels like for me. Now imagine what it feels like for a black woman. Imagine what it feels like. I started to put myself in their shoes. Then I started to look at how distinct they are. And this is what I have been saying. Go through this process with me. I'm going to ask you one question, right? Look in a silhouette, all black, right? You can see shades of people, of women, in that black, dark silhouette, right? How can you differentiate a black woman from every other race in that silhouette? I mean, I could tell you because of the uniqueness. You know, like when you right. see the uniqueness of a black woman, it, it, it is a... I said the first major thing you notice is the hair. Braids, cornrows... Afro, nobody else has it. That's the uniqueness we're talking about. That's the uniqueness. So that also, when I looked at that, that's distinct. I penned it down and I went and did more research on that. You know, what is the, with the black woman's head? What is with them? What is with, like, I just kept asking questions, 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 research and research. You know, so I feel like the in-depth study I had done showed that I knew what I was doing. I was sure and confident about it. The recession had to be great. Had to be great. Do you understand? Yeah, I can. I can. Yeah, I could I could see that, and, and I know, like, and, and I want to ask you because there is a, a black art scene. Shout out to Sa and Tandy Wave, which are part of the New Brunswick Black Art Association. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there's guys doing there. There is a new play there. 
uh, I think it's called Fofana Kingdom, which Fofana. they just did it right now. I seen. So how how's been there? Like, do you know those guys? Have you been talking to them? Oh. Or, or have, have they been pivotal to to what you've been doing? So it was just last minute. I was, you know, people because when people started to know me and know what I was doing because I didn't know anybody. I mean, all through last year I was working to pay my fees, right? So literally nobody knew me. But like since January, when everything started, I met with Tandway, I met with Gary Weeks, I met with everyone. They all came out for the exhibition, for the gallery opening. You know, I reached out to them on Instagram, introduced myself, saying that, hey, this is what I'm doing. I've heard so much about you guys. And I mean, they were so receptive. It came through for me on that day. Tandiway came, his mom came, uh, Gary Weeks, and a host of other people from the Black Lives Matter picked me, uh, the jury picked me for um, the Black Lives Matter New Brunswick. They bought one of the pieces of the artwork, which is to be featured all around New Brunswick. Um, the, New, the New Brunswick Black Alliance is also, has always also been a support since they got to know me. And at the New Brunswick College of Craft and Design. So even the Black community here, since they've been hearing about it, they've now come together and they've been supporting. So it's been great. Yeah, shout out to them. They're, they're really doing good job. Oh, that. Shout out to Black Lives Matter, New Brunswick, those people, Matthew and all those guys are doing a great job about it. So so again, if people want to find your work, what, where do they go to and what, what's next for you? Okay. Um. So... I mean, I just finished the first stage, which is um, the gallery opening. The main event, the main exhibition is March 17th and 18th. I have posters all over on Fredericton. If people want to find my works, I have my website, uh, org. I can send you the information and with uh, flyers and everything. Um so I have my website, I have my Instagram, which is always, always, always bubbling. I've also tried, I've not also noticed that here the Facebook community is large. So I've started doing more on my Facebook and my LinkedIn, you know. So I've got all of my social media accounts going and my websites updating regularly. So all of that is going on. That's how people can reach me. And then when it comes to moving forward. I have the plan of um, once I'm done with the main exhibition diary of a mad black woman, March 17th and 18th, I'm going to work on another storytelling series. So I've also grown to understand that what I've been doing, I've been trying to craft up a, craft up a portfolio, a solid professional portfolio so that I can fully call myself a professional artist. I am a professional artist, but I mean, what I used to do in Nigeria is different from what is here, right? And I want to create that standard portfolio that shows who I really am. And I'm also understanding better now in essence who I have become, right? So when I have more portfolios, you know, I plan to go from place to place, Toronto, Vancouver, um, Alberta, Calgary, you know, do art events there, you know, pitching. So I'm transitioning gradually into the art scene because I want to be known. I want to tell stories. You know, I, I figured out I'm an artist um, doing things like I, I always work on arts for social change. I always work on arts that talks about the woes of the society, right? 
I'm the guy who speaks up and speak about issues with my art, you know, and that's what I am like an art journalist, that kind of a thing. So that's what I'm going to be doing with my art, you know, and educating people, enlightening people about um, the things that I do, enlightening things, people about the things that actually go on in the society, you know, and I think for now that's where I'm tending towards, that's where I'm focusing on. Uh, that's great, sir. Angelo. I mean, I would like to know more about you, and and we'll probably keep in touch. And and if anything definitely. you need help, definitely, definitely let us know. Uh, and I mean, I definitely thank you for giving me this opportunity. I think it's you're an amazing talent. I love what you're doing. Uh, keep you. on doing it. We we really need it in the Maritimes, and hopefully, uh, it expands. And you know, you're an inspiration, and and you could get your goals. So so that's pretty cool. So. Before I let you go, I, I do have one last question. What does it right. feel to be black in the Maritimes? I don't know. For me personally, I feel very special. I feel special because there's an idea to black. But the fact that I know that I'm black, there's a way that now makes me really carry myself. It carries my the way I carry myself, especially when I speak to you know people who are not black or people who are not of color, and they see so much wisdom, and they see so much strength, they see so much idea. Like I always make sure that people who cross my path who are not black go back home with something about black people. Like, I always change a particular mindset. You know, I always strive to be better. So that fact alone makes me just feel like a king because I know that. I I already know the, the, the talents that I have. I know my possibilities. I know the things that I can achieve with my mind alone. So I use that to my advantage and to the advantage of being Black. So nice. that's, that's like, what I do. Yeah, that's, that's just how I, I, I see these things and that's just how I go with the flow. I'm always, I'm very excited that I'm black in this community because I can make a lot of change with that. All right. I mean, uh, Angela, thank you very much. That was pretty cool. So uh, check out his work. Check out his Instagram. That's how I found it. it it's super dope. Uh, check out his uh, his galleries uh, in Fredericton. I, hopefully, I can go and see it. If not, I'll see it online because... Uh, Usually it's been pretty busy. So thank you for being here. And uh, again, guys, thank you for everybody that's been uh, donating to us on Patreon and PayPal. Thank you for all the followings on Instagram. It's been kind of humbling lately. Uh, a lot of people have been following us for all over the world. It's been growing. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. We really appreciate the following. And, and no, check it out on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Peace.